guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. Had a great week. It's a nice week. Let's. We're in the summer. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. There's like three weeks left till school, and I'm starting to panic. Yeah, the summer is really, really flying by this year. I don't know. I feel like summer always flies by, but this year it seems like it's going a little faster. I like can't believe we're already... Getting towards the end of July, it just seems seems like summer just started. Yeah. But also, I'm I'm totally not ready for like the next school year or any of that. So yeah, I'm yeah. doing well. Doing We're well. in the same place I thought we would be. To be perfectly honest with you, <laughs> where both of us are panicking about the school year. Uh, that seems pretty much like something we would do. So we have a really interesting story this week. Melissa, I think you actually suggested this case to me a long time ago, maybe like over a year ago. I remember seeing this one a long time ago in a different time. And for whatever reason, we didn't do it. But it is a really, really fascinating case. And Mary Jane helped us with this one this week. And part of the reason why she chose it was because she actually went on vacation at the location of this particular story. So this week's story is coming to us from Maui, Hawaii. And Melissa... Have you Googled this city this week? I know we skipped it last week, but hopefully we are back with Google this city this week. I did. One person said on Twitter they missed it, and that person means the world to me. <laughs> <laughs> so Maui has a population of 144,000 residents as of the 2010 census. Maui Island is also the second largest of the Hawaiian islands. In both Hawaii and Guam, more spam is consumed per person than anywhere else in the world. Mandy, do you eat spam? So help me. I'm very afraid of this answer. Okay. I I don't know if you're going to be happy or extremely sad, but I have never even tried spam. This is one of the greatest days of my life. I have, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I've actually tried it either, but I'm so, I don't know. It upsets me for some reason. I think meat in a can is just an upsetting situation for me. I just don't know what it is. I don't think I want to know, I guess. I've just never known what it was. I'm not like a big mystery meat person. Yeah. Or a canned meat person. That's a good word for it. Mystery meat. Yeah, that's what I think. It we'll figure out what it is after this show. But yeah, it feels like a fake ham and I'm not on board with that. But Hawaii actually has the highest life expectancy in the US at eighty one point five years, which begs the question, will spam actually make you live longer? Or is it this review? ridiculous weather, beautiful views, you know, what's what's going on in Maui? I don't believe that it's a spam, first of all. Maui actually has no billboards, and they only have traffic and safety signs, which I thought was kind of interesting. Hawaii is one of only four states to ban billboards on their highways. The other three states are Alaska, Maine, and Vermont. Can you even imagine driving through a state without billboards? Like I would be so confused. I am just terrible at driving and knowing where I am and I am a sign follower. So that would be that would be very anxiety inducing to me to have well, they no have the sign. The they have the signs. They don't have billboards on on the road. Like the big like vasectomy with this doctor for, you know, $99. Oh. Those kind of things. Billboards. I thought you meant like actual the big giant signs on highways. I oh, was, I was really confused. I was that would be my bad. I would be so lost without those. Okay, no billboards I could do without. I guess. I don't. Yeah, it would be kind of strange though, right? Because we, especially here in Central Florida, or you know, like when you're taking turnpike, anything like that. Nah, not turnpike, I guess seventy five and stuff. There's just 
you know, there's the girls, girls, girls one. There's lots of those all the way down. I feel like there's some wholesome ones, Melissa. You have listed some that are really (laughs) questionable. (laughs) Oh, there's one, an ad for Dr. Gross. He is a plastic surgeon, which I'm always like, I don't understand how that happened. But yeah, I see that one a lot. So I just mostly think of them ironically. That's just what I do. Lastly, no one who owns any property in Maui can actually keep people off the beach, including these exclusive beach and resorts. So really, even Oprah can't kick people off the beach. And speaking of Oprah, several celebrities call Maui their home, including Oprah, Clint Eastwood, Owen Wilson, and Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Now, I don't know about you, dude, but I don't want to miss a thing in this crazy story. So let's head to the other side and do what it takes, Angel. I stuffed in about seven references, and Mandy, I don't know if you even caught one of them. I wasted them. I don't know about seven. I'll have to go back and listen and count them, but I don't think I caught seven. It was six. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I didn't catch six either. This is a rough day for me. Go ahead. Identical twin sisters Allison and Ann Daddow were born in New Hartford, Utica, New York, to parents John and Maureen Daddow, and they had a big sister named Amy. I was actually surprised to see that New Hartford was mentioned because I now I kind of know how people feel whenever we talk about like smaller towns because I have never heard of New Hartford in any other capacity besides my sister lived there for a very short period of time, but it's like a very small area. There's like not, it's not like super developed. There's not a lot going on there. So I was, it was interesting to me to see that these twins were from there originally. And I caught on to Utica because on the office, they will burn Utica to the ground. So look at that. We both had something in this story. There you go. Tragedy touched the Daddow family early in the twins' lives when they found their mother dead on their kitchen floor as a result of a brain aneurysm. Their father, Dr. John Daddow, worked as a prison doctor and worked long and hard hours. And as a result, to compensate for this, he spoiled his twins. In high school, he really indulged in their every wish. He gave them the keys to his Cadillac and allowed them to charge designer clothes and expensive jewelry on his credit card. They were wearing fancy name brand clothing to school like Giorgio Armani and Chanel, and they were often carrying as much as $800 in cash in their wallets, which I honestly cannot imagine as a teenager. I mean, to me, at however old, 16, 17, that sounds great. Yeah. But these girls weren't just rich, spoiled, you know, little valley girls. They were also incredibly smart, and they both aspired to be neurosurgeons. They were cheerleaders throughout school, and they were also members of the Navy Junior ROTC. They had a reputation for partying, and their friends described them as being heavy drinkers, and they they liked to smoke pot, and they smoked cigarettes, but none of this partying lifestyle ever seemed to really impact their schoolwork. The summer after the twins graduated from Notre Dame High School, the family moved to Florida, where the twins went to college and each earned degrees in liberal arts. Allison and Anne turned their passion towards yoga and created the brand Twin Power Yoga. So while I was doing some research on this case and getting to know everything about the story, I came across this little promotional video that they had made for this yoga studio. It was like super, super cheesy. I'll have to see if we can link that in the show notes, but it was it was really something. I mean, it was definitely a yoga studio, but it was interesting. Twin Power Yoga. That's it. I mean more power to them. It's interesting to me. And I know that 
some twins especially have this kind of connection where they want to do everything together and enjoy doing that. But for both of them to want to be neurosurgeons now, they're both like into yoga and that sort of thing and want to go into business together. In some relationships, that could be really good. In some, it could be really, really difficult. Yeah. Well, I know, of course, I can't speak for how twins are, but we do have some members of our group that have twins and they're always talking about like what a special bond that they have and that they really do enjoy being with each other and like just intentionally. Our third mom, Stacy, she has twins and they're just so adorable and they just love hanging out with each other. I just think it's amazing because they yeah. are almost like the same person. And Stacy says that all the time that they it's like they share something special that, you know, you can't see and nobody else has, but the two of them have this crazy bond together. So that didn't really surprise me about the twins in this story, that they were kind of doing everything together as sisters and friends. And as we'll see as the story goes on, sometimes clashing with each other, like you were saying, it doesn't always work out to be such a great situation. The girls emphasized both physical and spiritual growth in their practice and wanted to share their style of yoga healing with the stressed out business district in swanky West Palm Beach, Florida. Even though the economic crisis was going on in 2008, the twins were able to open their first yoga studio in West Palm Beach. A second West Palm Beach studio opened in the center of downtown on November 11th, 2011. In an interview that they did with the Palm Beach Post, Allison said, quote, we had no business plan and no financial funding. It was one day at a time, but our whole life is focused on sharing this yoga. Memberships to their studios cost anywhere from $99 to $125 per month with a year commitment required. They offered a deal to members who would prepay their memberships for the entire year. The twins were really building their brand and Twin Power Yoga was really taking off and had cultivated a very loyal following. In addition to their studio classes, the twins offered yoga instructor training courses and DVD workouts called Twin Power Hour. So they were really building this whole thing into really quite a brand. Right. You know, they have a yoga studio. They have now they're training other yoga instructors. They have DVD workouts. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I feel like they were pretty successful with this yoga right. endeavor that they were doing. So they were really living the good life, and they lived in a West Palm Beach high-rise condo, and they drove around in matching Porsche Boxsters and shopped in, of course, all the most expensive stores, which they had been accustomed to, you know, as they were growing up anyway. So they just continued this lifestyle that they were used to. Allison and Anne's lives were not without drama, however. Their partying reputation had followed them from high school. According to friends, their drunken fights and frequent juvenile temper tantrums would flare at the drop of a hat. One of Anne's former boyfriends told the Palm Beach Post that at one point he was driving with both women in his Pontiac Sunfire going 85 miles an hour down the Sawgrass Expressway and the twins started fighting, throwing this temper tantrum because they wanted him to pull over so they could have another glass of wine. Anne's in the front seat at this point and she kicks a steering wheel and Allison's screaming in the back seat. He went on to say they were like really like little kids throwing this tantrum and he was worried that they would end up killing all of them. Wow. It was their lavish lifestyle, magnetic personalities, and wild reputations that attracted reality show producers in 2013. I looked everywhere to see if I could find stuff on this project, and I could not see it. But these two kind of remind me of Darcy and Stacy on 90 Day Fiance, of course, like this very close bond, but they also fight like those girls have been arrested several times for fighting with each other, but they still have this like incredible bond. And they actually were working on a reality show at one point. I've seen the trailer. It's terrible. <laughs> 
As they were outgrowing their two current studios, reality producers actually encouraged them to rent this larger, more expensive space to use for filming. So after doing this, the reality show eventually falls through and the twins are left with this huge studio space, huge bill, and they really can't afford it without the reality show paycheck. So they start accruing this massive debt at this point. Their spiritual advisor, Leslie McMichael, said that this is really where their downfall began. She insisted that when these women were sober, they were great people, but they seemed to really have dark demons that often came out when they started drinking. She described Allison as having the dominant, bigger personality, while Anne was, quote, the sweetest, kindest, most level-headed person you ever would meet. With the stress of the growing debt, both women began drinking more heavily. Instructor Shelley Slatkin, who trained with the twins, described an incident where the twins, who were obviously intoxicated, barged into the classroom she was teaching, abruptly changed the music, and started adjusting the client's poses. So she, like, just, they literally walked off the street intoxicated and, like, took over this lady's class. Can you imagine that? Like, yeah, that would be a little strange. Either being in that class and having these women just come in there and move you into different <laughs> poses or being the teacher because this is her their studio. Like, what do you really do? They began to get this reputation as the terrible twins of yoga. In 2014, the twins found themselves both in huge debt to the tune of $150,000 each. So they decided to close their studios, change their names, and move to Utah. We're going to get into what happens next in the story right after a quick word from this week's sponsors. A few weeks ago, I asked my husband if he had made his appointment to get his new contact lenses, and he said, no, but I will. And a few weeks later, I asked the same question and got the same answer. When it comes to getting into the doctor to actually get his new contacts, he will know, but I will me to death until I just make an appointment and beg for him to show up. But thanks to simple contacts, I can say goodbye to the no, but I wills and hello to the I've already ordered them. If you haven't used simple contacts, here's how it works. When it's time to renew your prescription, you simply head to the Simple Contacts website and take their vision test online. The test will be reviewed by a licensed doctor and you'll receive a renewed prescription and be able to order your contacts all from the same site. I had my husband take the self-guided vision test and he was done within five minutes and was able to renew his contacts prescription and reorder his lenses all from the comfort of our favorite couch. This isn't a replacement for your periodic health exam. Simple Contacts simply tests your current prescription to make sure you're seeing 2020 with your current lenses and renews that prescription. And the vision test is only $20. Plus, standard shipping is free and listeners of our show even get a special discount. Get $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash momsandmurder20 or enter code momsandmurder20 at checkout. Again, for $20 off your contacts, go to simplecontacts.com slash momsandmurder20 or enter code momsandmurder20 at checkout. The last thing I want to think about at the end of a long, hot summer day is what's for dinner. Thanks to HelloFresh, I don't have to. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality, regardless of your comfort in the kitchen, and I am terrible in the kitchen. HelloFresh is super easy to use and enjoy. There's something for everyone, from family recipes to calorie smart and vegetarian, and fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers, and you can easily change your delivery days, food preferences, and skip a week whenever you need. HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you'll get something delicious. This week, I tried the hot honey chicken, and it was the most perfect piece of chicken with the perfect combination of sweet and hot with barbecue roasted potatoes and butter broccoli. It combines a few of my favorite things, meat, potato, and veggies all in one. 
I really love that with this recipe, depending on who is eating, what plate, I could add a little spice or a little more sweet to their plate. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomsAndMurder80 and enter MomsAndMurder80. Again, for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomsAndMurder80 and enter the code MomsAndMurder80. And now back to the episode. So these twins have now moved to Utah, as we said, kind of to escape all the drama that was going on surrounding their studio and this massive debt that they were building back in Florida. So the twins have changed their names, and now Allison Daddow has become Alexandria Duval, and Anne Daddow has become Anastasia Duval. Whatever their motivation was for changing their names, they still could not escape the disaster that they had left behind. Employees were left without jobs and no paychecks. Studio members were left with useless prepaid memberships that would go completely unrefunded. Some people, of course, we said paid for a whole year in advance. Wow. And when you're paying $100 to $125 a month, that's a lot of money that you're giving yeah. to them up front that you're not getting back. The twins each filed for bankruptcy. In Utah, they lived in a city called Park City, and they opened yet another Twin Power Yoga studio, despite all the problems that they're still trying to sort out from their Florida studio, they decide, let's open up another studio here in Utah. And call it the same thing. And called it the same thing, yeah. So once they start this new yoga studio, it wasn't very long before other yoga instructors and studio owners that were in the Park City area started looking into them, trying to find out who are these new women in town that have this new yoga studio. And that's when they started to find out about their past in Florida. So a lot of them kind of blacklisted the yoga twins and really just wanted to steer clear of them and did not want to get involved in any of the drama. Circumstances for Alexandria and Anastasia really did not improve that much in Utah. Their problems actually just kept getting worse and worse. They started creating a long rap sheet for themselves of alcohol-related charges. And one incident even involved the twins getting too intoxicated at a restaurant in Park City. And the owner had asked them to leave, but they were both screaming and making threats to the owners. And then they took off in their car where they had this big blowout fight with each other. And they were drunk driving. And eventually they started punching each other and they were pulling each other's hair and they lost control of the car. The car crashed into a ditch. So the fighting between them at this time continued, even though police officers showed up on the scene. So they actually turned their anger towards the officers that were trying to break up this fight. And they started telling the officers like, you know, death threats, like saying they were going to kill them and things like that. The twins were both arrested for disorderly conduct and making terroristic threats. They didn't last very long in Utah, so they decided to embark on what they called a religious quest in December of 2015, and that is when they moved to Maui. For a while, the twins lived at the upscale Weston Maui Resort and Spa. Alexandria and Anastasia then moved into a spacious five-bedroom rental home in the Haiku with their respective boyfriends, Lonnie Dickerson and Frederico Bailey. It didn't take long for their alcohol abuse to cause them legal problems in Maui, so now they've got these arrests in Utah, and they have these arrests again happening in Maui. Not even one month on the island, they were arrested on Christmas Eve 2015 for disorderly conduct and second-degree terroristic threatening. I'm assuming this is just more threatening the officers and stuff, but my goodness, a terroristic threat? That seems like a pretty big deal to have on your record, doesn't it? Yeah, and I just always 
thought yoga was supposed to like calm <laughs> your soul and your spirit. So it's just to me to hear of them fighting like this so much, but like they were so passionate about yoga and their practice and being mindful. That's what yoga is all about is being mindful and like in control of yourself. So yeah, these, these two were, I guess, not really a good face of yoga. I guess that's why they were known as the bad yoga twins or whatever they were known yeah. as. Countess Luann from Real Housewives of New York was also arrested for sort of the same thing. And she did the same thing, like threatening to kill the officers. That was like a big part of it, these like kind of threats. Anastasia's boyfriend, Frederico Bailey, said that despite the twins being incredibly close, they fought really often, every two or three days, and they would even punch each other. Like these were pretty violent. Oh my gosh. Yeah, pretty violent fought, fights between the two of them. And they're working together and they're living together and they're doing, you know, that's a lot of, you know, togetherness, really. Right. Both of us, you and I have sisters. And I don't know about you, but I never really, I've never been in like a physical fight with my sister. Me either. I just can't imagine like every two or three days having like an all out physical like punching match with my sister. That just, I just can't imagine living that way. No, me, yeah, that would be just terrifying. And like I, that frequency is it's so scary. And I can't imagine you're just like waiting for the next blow up, I guess. Alexandria's boyfriend, Lonnie Dickerson, actually did contradict Frederico's a account a little bit saying that they would scream to release this bad energy they had and then they would settle down and talk and he said that they really rarely got violent so where Frederico says like every two or three days they're punching each other Lonnie is saying well they would yell and get all this out and talk and sometimes they would be violent but not every two to three days either way they were getting violent with one another for Memorial Day weekend in 2016, Anastasia, who was the quiet, more reserved twin, made plans to go camping with her boyfriend, Frederico, and just like as a two of them, a way to get away. Anticipating Alexandria's jealousy, she begged Frederico to keep their plans a secret, which that's kind of hard. You go away for the weekend, and how is she not going to figure this out if you guys are around each other all the live long day? Well, like how crazy is it to even just say like, don't tell my sister that we're going on a couple's weekend getaway. It Just to even have to worry that your sister is going to be like, oh, why are you going with your boyfriend out of right. town without me? I mean, that's not something you should have to worry about anybody getting upset about. It's just like a silly, ridiculous thing. You know, of course you can go out of town with your boyfriend. Like, I just think it's sad that she had to even be worried about what her sister's reaction would be to that. Yeah. So at the last minute, Alexandria did learn about this camping trip, and she insisted that she was going to go. She jumps into Frederico's car, and she refused to get out. So the three of them left to go camping, leaving Alexandria's boyfriend, Lonnie Dickerson, at home, which, lucky for him, that seems like a terrible camping trip to go on. You wouldn't want to go camping anyway, <laughs> but this seems like this is obviously going to be a nightmare, and it was. So Anastasia and Frederico slept in Frederico's Explorer while Alexandria used a tent at an adjacent campsite. That, of course, didn't stop her from waking up the couple repeatedly through the night, screaming at them. Even Anastasia turned on her boyfriend, Frederico, at one point berating him after it had rained during the night and, you know, saying, like, you didn't put the canopy on the campsite and all of our stuff is wet and how dare you've done this. It seems like around then is when they decided this weekend camping trip is over and Frederico started gathering up all the wet supplies. Alexandria and Anastasia told him that they were going to take the car up to the bathroom just up the hill and they would be back in 15 minutes. Four hours later, they returned to a furious Frederico with a significant amount of alcohol, and they were really reeking of booze. 
Knowing their Jekyll and Hyde personalities when it came to their drinking, Frederico knew things were going to get worse. So he tried to hurry up and pack up his brand new 2016 white Ford Explorer the girls had been driving around in, obviously very intoxicated. He briefly steps away to gather the rest of their supplies and to cool down a bit when he discovers the twins have once again taken off in his SUV. The twins took off down the famous Hana Highway. Frederico had no idea that this would be the last time he would see his girlfriend Anastasia alive. And we are going to get into what happens next right after one last break for a word from this week's sponsors. Can you really have comfort, style, and sustainability all in one shoe? Rothy's took this exact challenge and ran with it and created the most ridiculously cute and comfortable shoes on the planet. Speaking of the planet, Rothy's has made their shoes out of recycled water bottles, and yet they are still so comfortable you can actually put them on and wear them all day right out of the box with zero break-in period. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. They're stylish and versatile, and they go with everything from your yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Mandy and I both chose a pair of the sneakers from Rothy's, and they are our go-to shoes. I'm so obsessed with mine, I decided to share the love and picked up a pair for my sister to have for her birthday. My sweet niece actually drew on my sister's new shoes with her crayons, which was really no problem since Rothy's are machine washable. Rothy's also comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges, so there's no risk, no worries, no reason not to try. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash moms. Go to R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash moms to get your favorite new flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash moms today. I've been in a bit of a food fog lately. I haven't been eating really well or exercising, and honestly, I've felt like hot garbage. So I know I really need to make some changes, and Noom really makes making these changes a whole lot easier. Noom is based in psychology, so Noom teaches you why you do the things you do, like making nachos at 1130 at night, and it arms you with the tools to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. Also, if I eat the nachos, that's okay. With Noom, I know that no food is bad or good or off limits. Noom helps teach me moderation, which is something I really struggle with. Noom also has one of the biggest and most accurate food databases available that lets you track meal habits, visualize portion sizes, and see calorie density at a glance. And because Noom knows we are all strapped for time, they ask you to commit just 10 minutes a day for yourself. I am a bored eater, and when I need something to do, my first instinct is to raid the kitchen. So tracking with Noom works really well for me. If you're ready to take the next step, sign up for your trial today at Noom, that's N-O-O-M dot com slash moms. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash moms to start your trial today. That's Noom.com slash moms, the last weight loss program you'll need. And now back to the episode. So at this point in the story, the twins, Anastasia and Alexandria, have taken off in Frederico's car once again, and they are at this point already intoxicated. So things are not going really well right now. The Hana Highway that they had taken out of town was also called the Road to Hana, and it's a very popular tourist destination. It's a 60-mile, very scenic drive and takes you past many waterfalls. There's a lot of spots to go hiking and many botanical gardens. It's often very crowded and the road is very winding. So this can be kind of a treacherous drive in places where 
there's the road is really just reduced down to a single lane and there's walls of rock on one side and then a sheer cliff that drops off on the other. We'll have to post a link to photos of this because it's really actually unbelievable how narrow this area is and how terrified I was just looking at that. And I can't even imagine Mandy looking at these photos. I would, I don't even want to, I wouldn't like, would you let me drive you on those roads, Mandy? I would need to wear a blindfold and have headphones in and just pretend like we were not on the edge of a cliff, but I might let you drive me. (laughs) I am so sorry that I don't know what that says more about me or you. (laughs) (laughs) So as you're saying, cars, of course, have to take extreme caution and they can only really travel 25 miles an hour or less on these winding roads. A lot of people, I think, go even slower just because, yeah, that's really terrifying. One mistake and I and it's all over. I couldn't I couldn't deal with that. So on this particular day, the witnesses that were along the highway reported seeing two women speeding along this winding road, yelling and physically fighting with each other while they are driving. The witnesses also said that they saw the passenger of a vehicle later determined to be Anastasia violently pulling the hair of the driver who would have been Alexandria. At approximately 4.40 p.m., horrified witnesses watched as the SUV made a sharp left turn and plunged full speed off the 200-foot cliff. Most of the highway does have guardrails and rock walls to prevent accidents like this, but this particular section was around mile marker 47, and there seemed to be a gap where there was just no barrier. Anastasia, who was not wearing a seatbelt, was killed on impact. Alexandria had serious injuries, but none of them were life-threatening, and she was released from the hospital the next day. Frederico had to sleep another night at the campsite, and the next morning had to hitchhike to the town of Hana, where he learned about this fatal crash. He was actually able to catch a ride to his home in Haiku, and he arrived just minutes before Alexandria and her boyfriend Lonnie Dickerson arrived home from the hospital. Of course, Frederico... Wants to know what happened. Last he saw them, they were arguing, they were drinking, they took off in his brand new car, and now this next morning he's hearing that his girlfriend has been wow. killed, and I, I just can't, you know, he's had to hitchhike. I, I mean, I just can't imagine what kind of a day that was for this poor guy. So he, of course, wants explanations about what's going on. He wants to know how his girlfriend was killed, how did her twin sister escape with you know, got out of this with just having her arm in a sling. And Alexandria really didn't have the answers. According to Frederico, Alexandria's behavior was really not appropriate in the moments following her sister's death. She had allegedly gone and picked up her pain medicine. And then really that in that same, within a very short period of time, she was drinking champagne and taking her pain pills. And she would put on her sister's clothes and wear them around. And Frederico just felt that her behavior was very strange and wasn't really sure, you know, why she was acting the way she was acting. He couldn't tell if she was mourning the loss of her sister. And this was just, you know, her attempt at coping with everything that had happened. The night of the crash, traffic investigator Sergeant Lawrence B. Craft showed up to investigate at around 7 p.m. He observed the tire marks in the dirt that made a sharp left turn and then he could tell that the vehicle had accelerated heading right off the cliff. He saw no evidence that Alexandria had tried to even apply the brakes and the airbag control module would also confirm this later that she did not try to hit the brakes on her way over the cliff. It was also determined that Alexandria had to have been going approximately 48 miles per hour at the time that she went over the cliff. And as we said, 
people are not driving that fast right. on this type of a road. So that was a very high rate of speed for this area. With the witness statements, the crash scene evidence, and this fear that Anastasia could potentially try and leave the country, police found enough probable cause to arrest the 37-year-old and charge her with second-degree murder in the death of her identical twin sister. The theory was that they were fighting and she intentionally drove the car off the cliff with the goal of killing her sister in mind. A judge later dismissed this charge, saying that there was not enough evidence to support it. However, months later, a grand jury indicted Alexandria for the murder of her sister, and she was again arrested, this time in upstate New York, and she was extradited back to Hawaii. Alexandria pled not guilty to the second-degree murder charge, and she actually decided to waive her right to a jury trial, leaving her fate up to the judge alone. And if she was convicted, she faced life in prison. I thought... Mandy, I think you probably feel the same because we've had this happen in another story before where somebody decided to do the bench trial. And this seemed like a very, very smart move on her part. Alexandria's defense attorneys painted a picture of the crash being really just this tragic accident. They disputed the traffic investigator's evidence that the car made this sudden left turn and accelerated. They also argued that the SUV hit a metal beam in a way that caused the car to turn left suddenly, not giving Alexandria enough time to correct or break before plunging over the cliff, providing reasonable doubt that there was any criminal behavior whatsoever. Prosecutors tried to convince the judge that Alexandria was this cold, heartless person that intended to take both of their lives that day. Ultimately, the judge shared the defense attorney's view and Alexandria was acquitted and was free to go. Since she was acquitted, Alexandria has appeared on the Dr. Phil show to tell her side of the story, but has otherwise kept a low profile. And I watched some of these clips from the Dr. Phil thing. It was pretty interesting because I'm not like a big Dr. Phil fan or anything, but he was talking to her and saying like, when Anastasia was found, you know, police found like a clump of Alexandria's hair in her hand, kind of, you know, saying Dr. Phil was saying to her like how would your hair have been in her hand and she said basically I don't know and he was kind of talking to her like hey maybe you guys could have been in a fight and this kind of thing had happened before and this is just the one day where something went wrong and obviously you weren't being malicious you weren't you know had no ill intent but this fight this day on this road going at this speed ended up being deadly and she kind of agreed to that a little bit I felt like But whatever it was, it was a terrible accident. And I think she was really, really smart to do the bench trial that I think she could have gotten screwed by a jury. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think I I think it would be a hard choice to like put your entire fate just into a judge. But I feel like in this case, it probably was the right decision because like you said, there wasn't really that much evidence really prove that she intentionally caused the accident. So I don't know if if a jury would have been even... I don't even know if a jury would have found her guilty, honestly, but I guess. Well, beyond know. a reasonable doubt, I, I think a judge would be the first person right. to be like, yeah, no, there's just that that's not even possible here. So I, the whole thing is really tragic because they seem to really, really love each other and were such a part of each other's lives, but kind of had this toxic thing going on. And who knows what really happened that day exactly, but it's just sad all the way around. I did see that there was a movie called Twin Sanity on uh, Netflix, and it seems to be loosely based or pretty based on the Duval twins. It They're yoga twins in this movie, and I I didn't watch all of it. I watched a few minutes of it, but I think it like turned into a murder, so it is, is different for sure. But um, I guess that's like a – it almost seems like a lifetime remake of it, but it was on Netflix. I couldn't quite figure it out. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. 
before we go, we're going to do our last thing before we go. And quick note, last week, I could not remember who gave us one of the questions, like the three truths and a lie. It was the truths and a lie. Yeah. Yeah. It was Lisa M in our Facebook group. So I want to give her credit since we missed that last week. Thanks, Lisa. So this is one I sort of came up with, and I don't know why it popped in my head, but Mandy is a big music person, so I thought this would be fun. Mandy, what is a concert you've really loved to go to, like your favorite concert, and what's like your dream concert to go to? So I have not been to as many concerts as I would like to go to. I would love to go to a lot more, but one of my favorites, and then also I listen to a very wide variety of music, so I'm probably going to say a bunch of things that are not going to make any sense together. So the first concert that I really, really have great memories of was several years ago, George Strait and Reba McIntyre came to Orlando (gasps) and I went to it and it was such a good concert. I grew up in the nineties in Texas listening to nineties country and it was just great. That was one of my favorite concerts ever. I went and saw it with one of my best friends and we had such a great time, but I think my most favorite concert I've ever been to is one I went to this year. Actually, my husband and I saw Michael Buble and it was the best concert I think I've ever, ever been to. He is so funny in concert, not like you would expect from him. He seems like he would be very serious, but he is so funny like when he's doing his show and it was just such a good concert. I loved it. Oh nice. Probably my favorite. Yeah. And then I've been to like a lot of other shows of like a lot of smaller lesser known bands and stuff that you definitely won't know any of. You've named some for me before and I was very confused on what was going on. Yeah. Very very confused. I used to like local bands a lot in Tallahassee. We had a couple And I found one of them on Spotify the other day. And I was like, wow, that's, I mean, they're not doing anything now, but 20 years ago, I really, really liked them. Yeah. (laughs) And I can believe their music was still out there. Michael Buble would be a really good one. And I'm very jealous of your Reba McIntyre. I very much remember being really young and being in Pensacola with my family and hearing them on the radio talk about the concert in Tallahassee with Reba McIntyre. And I wasn't able to go and just crying very dramatically in the backseat. That's like it was a very so vivid good. memory for me. Yeah. I'm, I was so happy to go. And I think um, Leanne Womack opened for them at that show. So it was really good all around. I do oh, love wow. that. Yeah, I did love that. But like I said, the rest of them, I listen to a lot of ska. It's a very Florida thing. And um, I don't (laughs) think that's true. I have to be, I would like to speak for the people, at least of the panhandle. We are not ska people. Maybe this is. (laughs) (laughs) I am a ska person. I listen to a lot of ska. I've been to a lot of different shows like that. And then I also listen to like a lot of like underground rap, which. (laughs) It really blows my mind. I I told you I have a very wide variety of music that I like. So I've been to a lot of concerts I really loved. What about you, Melissa? I went to Shania Twain when I was younger and that was so cool. Like that was, I think I was a teenager or I was like maybe 18 or something. And that was a lot of fun in Tallahassee because we never had anybody big that came. And this year my husband and I went to see Weezer and that was the most fun because it was Weezer and it was like watching a bunch of 40 year olds have a midlife crisis at one time, just (laughs) singing as loud as possible. It was like so funny. I'm like, everyone here is like my age, my husband's age and just singing their hearts out. And it was so, so, so fun. Like I just loved the energy of the concert. It was just a lot of fun. And oh, I don't think, oh, um, who else did I like? I really liked going to see local bands when I was younger. That was like a big thing. Me and my sister, we would go to local bands like literally every Friday and Saturday night. We went to Floyd's Music Store in Tallahassee and saw uh, Social Burn was the one that came. Of course, Nature came. And that's like nobody's heard of that either. 
what is that group that sings Swing Swing? All American Rejects came. That was like a big one to come to Tallahassee. And so I spent a lot of time at the local concert scene, which does that wow. seem like me? I know. No, it doesn't. It does not seem like you. I didn't know you were like a a, a, a groupie. Are you, were you a groupie? Kind of for like about a year. Yeah. Wow. And wow. I had a boyfriend <laughs> whose brother was in a band. So we would go see his band. I'm talking, I was at these concerts like every weekend, several times a week. I don't know what I was doing with my life. Things were not going very well, but I did it. And that was, those are fun memories, um, doing stuff like that with your friends. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like yeah. those. I just think you and I have very different taste in music. I mean, I think we agree and come together on certain things, but then I don't know. I don't feel like you like Weezer and I listen to Weezer all the time. And I think yeah. that's where. But I do like NSYNC and Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and stuff and country, 90s country. Yeah. So, uh, so we we can listen to those things together and then I will keep my ska to myself. Yes, and the other quote unquote Florida people that are listening to this. <laughs> I'd like to meet these people. So, yes, anyway. Okay, so we have one more last thing before we go question, and it's from Abby C. And she actually asked us a long time ago, way back in January, and she wants to know what is the most embarrassing thing you have done? I have been racking my brain. I cannot come up with a very embarrassing story that I'm willing to tell on this podcast, but I have plenty of embarrassing moments in my life. However, I have been assured that Melissa has a real treat of a story to tell. I do like that you said that I want to share with this podcast, and I'm now regretting <laughs> even thinking this would be good. So here's the thing. Once I tell you this story, you are going to think of Melissa before and Melissa after. You can't go back. <laughs> if you like the way I am now, your opinion of me will change. So uh, I think, let's say 20 years ago, around 20 years ago, no, 15 years ago, I was in the Dominican Republic in Haiti. During that time in the Dominican Republic, where I was staying, a lot of times there wasn't electricity and it was really hot, obviously. And I was there with a group and we were going to eat at someone's house for dinner that night. Well, I hadn't been feeling good all day, but I was going to be a trooper. There's no, of course, AC. There's no fans at this point. Everything's by candlelight. And we go to this really nice dinner at someone's house. Super sweet. I'm eating and I realize I need to use the restroom. Not feeling very well. So I go to the restroom by candlelight and I do my business and then I flush the toilet and nothing happened. But then oh, I no. flush the toilet again <laughs> and something happened. And so <laughs> I have to go and get the homeowner. Here's the thing. He doesn't speak English and I don't speak Spanish. So I had to get a translator to come help me get the homeowner. <laughs> So the only thing that makes it worse is like I'm having to listen to somebody in another language describe what's <laughs> happening in the bathroom and everything's by candlelight. Everyone's burning up to death. Now there's just smells coming from all over the house because there's just stuff <laughs> everywhere. So anyway, I, I honestly kind of blacked out after that. Not blacked out, but I don't even know to this day what happened after that because I think I blocked it out. It was just so horrifying. But yeah, candlelight. But all I really remember in that story is having this poor guy, like, listening to somebody repeat the story in Spanish. Like, it wasn't bad enough. Now everybody knows. So <laughs> it's really horrifying. That is my terrifying or terrible story. And so if you get sick in another country, mind you, you should just learn enough of the language to say, 
you know, El Baño is loco or something. (laughs) (laughs) I've totally been in situations like that, though, like bathroom situations at someone else's house where like, I don't know, something goes wrong and (laughs) like you have to say something like you can't just... You can't just no. ignore it and hope it goes away. You have to say something, but it's super uncomfortable and embarrassing. But I can imagine it being so much worse in another country where you don't speak the you don't speak the language and you just don't know how to even what do you do? Oh my gosh, Melissa, I feel bad for you. I'm I'm embarrassed for you after hearing that. Right? I have most of my embarrassing stories are honestly things that I have said out loud that I just didn't really think through all the way and people have really laughed at me a lot for saying really, really stupid off the wall things. Like there was one time my husband and I were hanging out. It was really early in our relationship. I was very young. I was probably only 16, 17. He had this car that he drove and it was nicknamed the Batmobile. And so that was just like the joke, like that you're going to ride around in the Batmobile. And then his name, my husband's name is Chris. So one day we were getting into his car and I said something stupid. I was like, Christopher Robin to the Batmobile and he started laughing and I was thinking like Batman and Robin but he was like (laughs) (laughs) he was like (laughs) he was like you know Christopher Robin is like from Winnie the Pooh and like you know so anyway that was like one dumb thing I said of course I was embarrassed then because I was like 16 I was like now I look like an idiot like I don't know Batman or Winnie the Pooh like I just looked like super dumb all at one time but I have a lot of stories like that like where I just say something really ridiculous and Everyone laughs. I don't me, actually say okay. ridiculous things ever. So that's never an <laughs> issue for me. I didn't know we could count those because that's every freaking day of my life. <laughs> Before we go, we're going to play a promo for a show called True Crime Deadline. It's really great. It's um, a podcast hosted by Emmy Award winning journalist Matt Johnson, and he brings these stories back from all the behind the scenes stuff that he's done in these stories that he's covered over his career and these cases that are still haunting him. So if you want to check that out, that will be played at the end of the episode. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. From the Hollywood Hills to your ear holes, this is True Crime Deadline. I'm Matt Johnson, boots on the ground reporter and host of True Crime Deadline, the podcast that gives you a unique reporter's point of view from the yellow crime scene tape to the gavel in the courtroom. We paint a picture on True Crime Deadline with murder, mystery, and missing persons cases. My contacts grant you access to those case files with disturbing new details and exclusive interviews. Details might have you thinking, no, that didn't happen. They didn't do that, did they? And then there's the Oprah-inspired, Where Are They Now? Binge these 30-minute Crime Bite episodes where you get your podcasts. Buckle up, investigators. You're on deadline. For more information about the podcast, visit truecrimedeadline.com. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.